0: Now you're very welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown, the podcast that looks at the stats, XG, and performance of Celtic FC. The league may be over, but it carries on at the same time, and it is Derby week. Celtic against Rangers this Sunday, Celtic's third opportunity to go up against Rangers and come out with some sort of result. It didn't go their way the last two times. Will it go their way this time? James and Alan are with me, as always. Laz, how are you getting on? Yeah, good, thanks.
2: Happy St. Patrick's Day in
0: for for some context, I am sitting here in my house drinking cans of Guinness because there's nothing else to do because we can't bloody well go outside. But as as is the league, even though the le- the league's over, you don't stop playing football. So even though we can't go outside, you don't stop drinking Guinness. That's the way. That's my motto. Uh, that's a good motto to live by, I think. Well, that's it, right? So let's get into these games because the last couple of Celtic or Glasgow derbies have been pretty bad, pretty depressing from a Celtic's point of view. Two times now in the last ten years, in the last two years, sorry, that Rangers have beaten Celtic at Celtic Park. That didn't happen for ten years before that. So, what are we thinking going into this game? Early thoughts before we sort of break down the last two Glasgow derbies.
2: Yeah, I, I I think I was going to conclude that really the the last two games are going to have little or no bearing on this one. (laughs) In fact, you know, I don't. I'm not sure it's going to have any impact at all. This is it's almost a standalone game. Uh, and what I mean by that is that, you know, the previous two Lennon Lenin efforts, uh, we know, we I think we're trying to play a very different style of play under Kennedy. And also, obviously, the league is gone, so that intensity will have gone out of the game in that respect. And then, you know, finally, there'll be little learned from this game to inform us about the future because I think there'll be so few Celtic players, especially. That will actually play again in these games compared to who's, who's likely to start on Sunday. That uh, I don't. I don't think it will teach us a lot in, in that respect either. So, this is very much a one-off <laughs> in some respects, and therefore quite unpredictable. I would say, It'd be my summary.
3: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that the um, there's a lot of uncertainty going into it just from a specificity perspective, meaning that you know how will Kennedy approach it. Uh, even though the game doesn't really technically mean anything. Um, the how, how will Kennedy approach it on selection tactics basis? I think it's also on the on Rangers side. it will be very interesting. You know, they have a huge game um, Thursday tomorrow as we're recording and you know, the game doesn't really mean anything for them on Sunday relative to the league. So Uh, You know, I I could, depending on the outcome of their game on Thursday, who knows what their selection will be, whether they choose to rest people, um, you know, heading into a Derby. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of unknowns heading into it. And uh, maybe maybe that we we can artificially fluff up some excitement or interest uh, (laughs) as a result.
0: (laughs) Yeah, one of those interests is whether or not South will give Rangers Guard of Honor. We're not going to touch on that in this podcast because I don't think anybody listening to this and I'd I'd hazard guess that the two of you would be too intelligent to have that sort of conversation. So I actually did a video on my YouTube channel if anybody wants to know what (laughs) I thought of think of the Guard of Honor but we're not going to touch on that on the podcast. We're going to be looking back at the two defeats this season even though as Alan said they don't have much bearing on this game because it's sort of a once-off weird sort of Rangers have other things on their mind while Celtic are start, starting to rebuild for next season. So let's start with a 2-0 defeat earlier on the year. Where, which one of you want to start on this one? How bad was that? Because I remember vaguely it being absolutely dreadful.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I do like, and again, I, I was, when I was looking at this, I, didn't want, I was wary of giving Celtic excuses. Um, but you, you have to remember some of the context around that game. Um, The Celtic were missing an awful lot of players, uh, and were forced into quite an unusual formation and starting lineup. Uh, We had the intervention where, once again, the government seemed to uh, have a say in Scottish football on one side, at least, in that Christie was was not allowed to play uh, after being on duty with Scotland, Uh, even though Tierney, who was caught in the same in the same scenario, was allowed to play in England, and I think, as I think, I raised that because I think, as we've seen as the season's gone on, you know, and that was at and that was at The guidance of the Scottish government, uh, the the SFA reached out to, as I understand it, the medical the medical uh, department there, the medical uh, office, and you know, obviously, the government have, have picked the have picked and chosen when to intervene in football this season. <laughs> You know, they, they were all over at Celtic and Aberdeen at the beginning of the season, they were all over Christie, uh, and then of course, there's been you know other incidents that they've really not touched at all. So, that that was one occasion where it, you know uh, they were all over it, and, and Celtic lost out to lost out Christie. and Bitten and Mohammed came back from an Israel camp, similarly mm. having to isolate. Julian was injured, Forrest was injured, and uh, Laxalt was thrown in to make his debut, and Welsh his full debut in a back three. Um, and we had a front two, nominally, of uh, Klamala and Elionisi, you remember. And it was just an absolute mess. The midfield was Incham, McGregor and Brown. Incham um, w- was as invisible as he had been all, all this season and continues to be at Marseille, it would seem. And Cham in that game had uh, an impact score of 16. Uh, the best Celtic player was 53, which was higher. I actually was my man of the match in that game. Uh, he was the only one that was able to get the ball forward at all. And Cham didn't contribute a single expected assist or secondary assist. Had one, one shot from goal. Um, and actually, <laughs> Brown actually had a pretty decent game. I'm, I'm saying a decent game. He had a decent game by numbers in comparison to the other Celtic players. So let me heavily caveat that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying he had a decent game. He, he actually had the highest set, his defensive action success rate at 80%. And he had the second highest number of pack um, passes or forward, you know, progressive passes with uh, with eight. Um, so there wasn't a lot of a lot of joy when that that sort of thing is is, is really your top performances. There wasn't a lot of joy there. The three five two, um, it just seemed like it didn't matter whether it was three five two or uh, four two three one. Um, Rangers the Rangers were able to play their very compact sort of four three three ish configuration. Uh, very easily, they were able to c- contain space very easily. They were able to uh, restrict passing avenues, and they were able to, um, you know, get men forward in support. Even though there wasn't a lot in the game, I think it was 0. 0.6 xg to something like 1.4 um, early goals set set the tone. Whether from a, a you know a free kick, again a harbinger of things to come. <clears throat> uh, D- Duffy Duffy's confusion over whether to stay or go, you know. Basically, played Goldson onside, and he headed in from very close range with a downward header into the corner that Barca's was apparently supposed to save somehow. I don't, I'm not quite sure how. Um, their their best player was probably Tavernier in terms of ball progression, uh, which we again you, you think about um, how how they set up, and surely you would you would have known spotted that before the game and tried to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So it was ju- it was just an, and obviously you know well the well known stat was that Celtic didn't have a single shot on target. In the whole game, nor, nor looked like they were going to any point. So it was just a thoroughly depressing. Uh, the fact that Lennon, looked, I think, the, the, the most depressing aspect of it was that it looked like Lennon hadn't learned a single thing from any of the games that he'd played. And yes, we had, uh, had all our woes in terms of selection, but the fact that you know he hadn't set them any tests to um, to you know to solve, uh, I think, it was it was it was an awful awful yeah. piece of management.
0: Yeah, what, I was laughing there in the middle of your answer because if you break it down, it's the perfect microcosm of a game to explain everything that went wrong with Celtic this year. <laughs> it was essentially mess off the pitch, conceded a goal from a set piece, Shane Duffy nowhere to be seen, and Christopher Eyre man of the match. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, you if you can sum up everything that has happened for Celtic, that's, that's what's happened this year. James, your thoughts on that game? Do you, what's, your, what's your memories, from it, first of all?
3: Well, that was from a performance perspective, that was the be- that was the butterfly effect, <laughs> beginning of the avalanche. Uh, if you look at all of the kind of XG differential rolling averages that I maintain, that's you know things had started to tip over uh, really since the beginning of the season, and then that was the acceleration point when things really started to fall apart. Um, so subsequent to that game, we went through uh, a significant drop in in performance levels. If you gauge things from from xG differential perspective and I you know as I've talked about on prior shows that that, that was a real beginning of exposing decision making within the context of being stress test you know if things go wrong um, how do you respond and and I think that shines some light on um, the level and quality of decision making so for example, I, I don't think that it's all that much up for debate that recruitment over the summer had been geared towards a a three, five, two, um, as if that was some kind of magical solution to fight Rangers with when we'd had so much problems combating them, even dating back to, uh, Rogers last two games against Gerard's side, um, where performance levels weren't anything, you know, great to, to shake a stick at. So, but then you look at that lineup, as Alan said, You know why go three-five-two, playing a midfielder at striker and throwing Welsh into the wolves uh, to to keep the shaken off early in that game, or did he? No, he played. He played well actually. He was
2: one of the better players um, because I don't think the way they play doesn't. You know, it's not like uh, he's facing a big aerial threat. Mm. You know, he. Right. In fact, he's he's actually he's, he's actually a good matchup for Morelos because he's similarly sized and quite aggressive in his approach, even though he's not, he doesn't have that aerial leap or that aerial ability, um, you know, he's he's actually quite, quite a good matchup in all other respects. And, he, and his game was very good. He kept it simple. He did get taken off um, late in the game. Just,
0: just really late in the game, a, yeah. I knew really he got taken of throwing, off because I, rem- I remember yeah, his reaction. Yeah. He was very frustrated coming off. It was almost like, it was like the worst possible debut for him.
3: Yeah, and I, I didn't mean that as a slight to Welsh. It was more yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you look at decision-making going into it, I mean, that was really his... For, you know, real debut, uh, of any significance domestically. And, um, you know, again, how many times do we have to play, uh, Elunissi at striker in a two striker system to realize it's not working. Um, you know, that was pretty clear, uh, heading into that game. So, you know, I, it was one of those things, another example of square, you know, squeezing round pegs into a square hole type of thing. Um, in my view and and that's really you know when things cascaded as i said and and to alan's point i mean you know that that there was definitely bad luck relative to uh you know the hat trick of covid that hit that game um so you know that that was two center backs and forget about the injuries i mean that that's just compiled things or compounded things with julian and and forest being out but with elhamid and beaton also being out you know that forced uh, Welsh. in if you were going to play a three, five, two, I mean, it was really the only other option. Um, so whether or not they thought he was ready and again, he, yeah, he he played fine. Um, but you know, was that decision made because they actually thought he was ready? You know, would he have started if the other two were fit? Probably not. (laughs) Um, so, you know, go go back to this idea of what, what the game plan was and, you know, go back to the conversation Alan and I've had a lot, which is what worked about the three, five, two was very much centered around Edward um, and playing him with another striker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, not so, Klamala
2: with, with a midfielder.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, not Klamala with a midfielder, right. So why that, you know, why 3-5? That's why I, I joke, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek that it was some magic formula to, to solve the system problem that we've had relative to uh, Rangers narrow 4-3-3 uh, three, three, or, you know, four three two one, 3 whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, I, I, th- so that, that's, that, that was the main takeaway I had from it, other than... The scoreline in the XG probably understated um, the dominance of that game. I mean, Rangers were pretty much in cruise control once they mm-hmm. got up 2-0 and were kind of in a game management state, I would argue. I mean, we, Alan said we didn't have any shots on, on target, but we only had four shots. So uh, – and three of them were for, for, from distance. Um, so, you know, th- we didn't really threaten them at all in that game. And, and uh, so – yeah, on an XG basis, or even the scoreline, I would say it was, they were far more dominant. Than, three, uh, three of,
2: sorry, uh, James. Three of the shots were between the thirteenth and the sixteenth minute. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they had that little little flurry when El Eluneusi had that reasonable reasonable chance where he lobbed it over the bar, and then In Charm and McGregor had shots outside the box, and then that was it between the sixteenth, sorry, the twentieth, sorry. And the eighty-fifth minute, between the twentieth minute and the eighty-fifth minute, not a single attempt at goal, not right. a single one.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's it's, it's
2: pathetic.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean, that's-, that's just you can't. Well, you know, and you're and you're behind in the game,
0: right?
2: <laughs> okay, so you know, that's just it's just appalling, really. Uh, so I so I wonder, James. I wonder. You know, I mean, I think you 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 mentioned that as a sort of tipping point is that you can you almost i know it's, we look for to oversimplify things that are very complicated but is that the moment where the effectively the players lose lose faith because performance levels have never never recovered from that really. yeah I, but I, unless I, until 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 lille the report the performance sorry I'll, I'll caveat that until lille right. the performance levels yeah i, really I reco- think
3: uh, i mean again this is all speculation but this is part of kind of the the framework that I had coming into the season, which is a lot of this, that a lot of the risk in um, the situation in my mind was, uh, you know, as many people call it mentality, but I would call it cognitive. And, um, you know, the fact that that also was uh, immediately following the transfer window closing and all of the reports about, you know, players potentially wanting to leave. And, you know, again, again, my opinion on it is, uh, and it's a fairly high conviction opinion, is that they were told they can't leave. Uh, there there was no serious offers because the, you know, management at, at Celtic, I think, made it clear that they weren't selling people in the context of trying to kind of pay back the support for having ponied up for, you know, a stream in the context of a, a pandemic. Because at that point, it was pretty clear that we weren't, you know, we, the support, um, weren't getting back into the stadium. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that it only makes sense that that would be kind of the launching pad of, of when players were starting to have difficulty, um, in facing the reality that they weren't leaving the ones that were having to stay. Um, and then, you know, again, as, as I often say, as risk tends to manifest in this kind of feedback loop. Uh, so you have that being present, you have then the the three COVID, um, issues being, you know, hugely important players, un- unable to play, uh, and then you pile on top of that, um, uh, you know, Lennon's decision-making within that context and kind of being stress tested, you know, so that's, I, I've always said, I mean, I, I, I've, I, I always had some empathy for Lennon and with respect to kind of the cocktail that he was delivered, mm. um, but having said that, that he hasn't wasn't really well equipped to to uh, combat it. Yeah, no, like I don't think any of us are off the opinion
0: or stupid enough to think that this wasn't a difficult season in terms of how to manage managing COVID, managing Celtic without fans in the stadium, the added injury list, the Edouard wanting to leave, all this together couldn't have been an easy situation but the way that w- it was dealt with was with <laughs> arrogance and inconfidence of a serious ilk and it, that that's what it led to if this was the the first game was the domino effect the second game was definitely curtailed as the uh, sort of regeneration or the 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 game that would be the deciding factor in whether or not Neil Lennon kept his job. Now, he goes on to keep his job long after this game, but it's another 1-0 defeat. And we did a special podcast on this, actually, at the time. Neil Beaton obviously got sent off. And I think the general feel around the game was that the first 20 minutes were complete dominance for Celtic. But when we actually break it down, it actually wasn't in the end
2: yeah we I mean this was a game, I suppose it, it I think all of us thought that it was already getting out of out of reach for Celtic this stage, but the diamond formation, which again, to James's point, it wasn't a magic bullet. it's not some fantastic formation that no one's ever thought of before and, and will conquer all. It wasn't that it's it's the fact that it, it was actually the best fit, especially for the midfielders that we have. It was the best fit to get the best out of players like McGregor, Turnbull. And, and, to, and, to, and to introduce sorrow and actually Christy so, and then it also provided a partner for Edouard. So it solved for a lot of problems. And it also um, provides intrinsically because of the just the physical nature of the of the setup more protection for the defense, which was under a lot of pressure and struggling badly, especially when Duffy was in it. So um, it sol- that formation solved for a lot of problems. It's not a magic solution to all problems. It, it was a s it was a formation and still is a formation which works best for this group of players at this particular time because of the weaknesses that we have in that in that and, and actually again you know the the game started as you said for Celtic with, with real purpose the pace was quicker the connections in the midfield were better the chances did come early on um you know McGregor made one very good save um but at the end the end of the game you know well, I think one of the things which happened which was a portent of things to come and would be one of my main worries for Sunday was again just how Celtic physically petered out as the game went on the the threat grew less and less the game became more and more comfortable and if you look at the shot just the shot the short timeline um, you know Celtic by the 15th Forty-five by half time, basically. Celtic the Rangers had had two attempts at goal, all within a minute of each other. And Celtic had had like uh, you know twelve. Mm. Um, and then in the second half, it's it's like um, six to three uh, in the, in their favour. Um, and that physical that physical inability to maintain the pace uh, and the pressing is something we've seen um, really uh, accentuated actually in the last two games under Kennedy. Kennedy's tried to get back to that Rogers. Way of playing that possession-based, high high-pressure football off the ball, um, high-intensity passing on the ball, and, and quite frankly, the players don't look fit enough to play it, and that is that's that's actually shocking. Yeah, if you, if you think about how relentlessly Celtic played that style, and the rel- relentless was the word that Rogers used in his first first season, but they continued to play that style after a fashion. Uh, I think a little bit more conservatively. Uh, for the next you know, few seasons, or just, Kennedy's tried to get back to that. But this game was a good example where the, you know the the, the diamond uh, had worked in those games. We would started on the front foot. We played with that pace intensity. We got a few efforts on goal, but then it just it just died again. Mm. It just died. Um, you know, I think uh, you know again. I don't want to make excuses, but similar to the to the first game, there was some canny you know officiating. So. Some Beat beaten managed to keep his cards in his pocket for Morelos. Five, five fouls he eventually racked up in the first game before he got, got his yellow uh, in, very late in the game. Similarly, in this game, I think Madden, um, 19 fouls against Celtic. The game was broken up for, for the slightest of contacts on occasion. Uh, the challenge by um, Morelos on Frimpon was was a, a shocking one early in the game that should have been a, uh, a straight red. And, 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 you know, you look at people's behaviour and just contrast how, how he actively seemed to manage to keep Morelos out of trouble or try to keep him out of trouble versus, you know, the speed of the, the red card coming out for, for Bitton, which, again, Bitton had, had a, a good game up to that point, but he, his brain literally froze as it does in every game at mm-hmm. some point uh, and he didn't read uh, the, the, the ball. But again... Where I think we'll see, we'll see improvement on Sunday is that you know Laxall was, oh God, I mean he wasn't even in the picture when the ball was fired over uh, down the right, down the right wing over Biton's head. He wasn't even in the frame. Um, that's that's happening slightly less under Kennedy. The fullbacks are are being more disciplined about their play, and funnily enough, their numbers are looking better as well. Mm-hmm. Kenny Kenny arguably had his best game against United. Involved, he certainly was involved a lot. He was on the ball a lot. He had a lot of good, good, good possession in the final third, so, so I think we'll see, you know, that structural defence, defensive misalignment, which just caused problems. Um, it caused problems in the first game leading to Ayers, foul, that meant that it led to the Goldson goal, um, and obviously led to the sending off in the second game. Should should be less likely to happen, and I think Kennedy's got more more rigidity about what he's asking some of the players to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I expect again that um, you know Brown's going to play. Um, because just the way it looks like, the way it is. I mean, Sorrell played in this game, in game two, and actually, he, you know, I'll be honest, you know, he, he had a pretty nervous performance. You know, he miscontrolled a few balls. He, he, he looked nervy. He, he gave away a lot of fouls, and actually, to be fair to Madden, Madden let him have five fouls in that game as well before he he actually booked him. Um, so, again, it was a game of uh, the, the the worrying thing was was that. We're in a position of strength, a position of starting well under us, under a coherent setup, it, the game drifted away. Mm. The fitness fell off, and then, the, and then the substitutions at the end, uh, after the goal was conceded, were an absolute shambles. And, and it's the game where we ended up with not a single member of the four duck players in the diamond on the field at the end, which is your best four available midfielders that you could possibly have. You know, and 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 all of them are off the field. We, we had
3: that dynamic duo of Rogic and Brown, I think, as the yeah, two yeah, that uh, was the center holding midfielders for... yeah, yeah, at yeah, the yeah, end, yeah. I think. I think that I th- I don't know if that was a A a nightmare that I'm reliving or if that actually happened. No,
0: I remember that happening because I always... This is Peacock.
1: I love it! It's streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals. It's The Office. That's what she said. Chrisley Knows Best.
3: It's gonna be Todd's Way or the Highway. And
1: Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Holy mackinoli. So whether you're in the mood for every live WWE pay-per-view or every episode of Law & Order SVU, Peacock's got you covered. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at peacocktv.com.
0: I always said Tom Rogick, you know, do you know what's missing from his game? Defensive duties. That's <laughs> that's that's always the strongest part. Yeah. yeah. I think I think
2: I think the, the other thing I would say is, is that you know we we did we did sneak the sort of XG battle at 1.4 to 1.3. It was wasn't a lot in it. Um They they actually didn't uh, people people don't people don't forget they actually didn't have a single shot on target in that game. Not a single Mm -hmm. one. But it looked like they had control of the game. The closest Celtic
0: came to scoring in that game was Lee Griffiths from outside the box when Alan McGregor pulled it out of the top corner, really, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, that was the closest-looking shot to a goal. But
0: yeah, it was an
2: accumulation of 15 shots, of which uh, only five of Celtic's 15 shots were inside the box, which is the same number of shots inside the box uh, that the Rangers had. So, you know, that's where looking at shot stats and you say, oh, Celtic had 15 shots to, to eight, they didn't have a single shot on target. Both sides had five shots inside the box.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that, that's where the XG model comes in as yeah. the more appropriate well, way of measuring how, how close each team came to scoring really is. Absolutely. If shots.
2: you watch the way they play, it, it's very similar to, to Manchester City in the respect of, they're trying to work the ball into central areas in the box before they'll take a shot. They'll they'll fake to cross many times, and they won't. They'll you try and get overloads through their wide midfielders and their fullbacks being high to get to positions where they can get the ball into that central zone. And and that makes absolute mm-hmm. sense. But right. And it's, it's, it's good coaching.
3: And I, I have some uh, st- stats to back that up. So um, I actually compiled – I updated it. I've been tracking it for a while, but I updated the – the nine game time series since uh Gerard's tenure started. And if you look at uh, percentage of shots outside the box in those nine games, so that's two under Rogers and then uh seven under Lennon, uh Celtic has averaged forty-eight percent of their shots from outside the box. And uh Rangers have averaged thirty-two percent, almost thirty-three percent. And again, it, how do you put that in context? Well if you break down um Clubs that are more analytically driven. Like an Atalanta, they average close to thirty uh, percent. If you look at a Liverpool, they're in the thirty-four to thirty-six percent. Usually, Man City's down in the mid-thirties to low thirties. Uh, and then you get into clubs that, you know, quite obviously, don't embrace analytics as much. <laughs> um, they're the ones that get up into the forty to forty-five percent and even higher. So that that forty-eight percent number is just absurd. Um, You know, obviously there's a sliding scale there depending on the quality of your opponent, Um, but to have almost half of your shots from that level of distance is just, you know, um, emblematic of the problems that we had. So just on the note of Steve Jarrett against
0: Celtic, I think you've been doing a bit of digging into this game in terms of the Brendan Rodgers era and the Lennon era and the Steven Gerrard Rangers era. So what are you finding? Who was the, my, my favorite, I think Glasgow Derby of all time was the one where, um, Mr. Dembele tore them to shreds and scored two out of two out of three goals of the season. In my opinion, in that, in that one game it was almost the, like the Henrik Larson esque performance in the six, one win. Um, so what 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 were you finding when you were well, looking back at these stats
3: right? So, I've looked at the, this a lot, and actually, I wrote something for allen's site back in in June, I think it was. but if you look up until that point, um it is kind of the beginning of my warning shots of my concerns about Rangers heading into the season uh, within the context of of a ten in a row challenge. but so if you look at that for the first couple of derbies, um, that were Rogers managed versus Gerard. That was before Davis showed up. That was before Defoe showed up. Uh, I mean, I, I won't go through all the names. I don't even know them off the top of my head. Most of the, you know, a good number of the guys aren't there anymore. And, and if you look at the lineup and you compare it to Celtics team, laughable is not the right way to, wait, I would phrase it, but it's, it's, it's a significant level difference mm. of the, the level of play. I mean, you still had Goldson, you still had Tavernier, you still had, um, Barisic, but that was before Barisic had really adjusted. You know, he wasn't playing like the Barisic that we, we've seen, uh, over the last, you know, 18, 19 months. So if you look at the midfield and then going forward, I mean, it's kind of silly. And even in those two games, they were pretty close in aggregate. Um, and then as you go forward, I mean, if you look at the total time period under, uh, is it really has been a system problem, and and um, the aggregate SG XG non-penalty XG over those nine games is basically a coin flip between the two teams. Um, and if you look at results versus goals scored, I mean, it, it's just been really close. None of the game there have been a lot of games where um, you know it hasn't been within a couple of events flipping one way or the other where it could have changed the the context of the game. With probably the biggest exception that two nil and uh uh earlier this season where as we've talked about rangers pretty much just dominated but outside of that you know there was the the 2-1 where i think it was Morelos got sent off in like the 33rd minute uh that was lennon's first uh darby in his return i think in his second tenure uh and again given the fact that they were down a man for most of that game that was i think it was kent scored in the second half to 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 get make it nervy. Um, so you know, we get back to this issue is uh they've had success against better teams uh that possess the ball. And um, you know, that narrow system that they've been running has been a successful one. Uh so that's you know, this I think probably the thing I'm most curious about is um how kennedy approaches it and how how much does he draw lessons because i i was actually very positive about the performance uh from the new year relative to kind of the control of the game with the caveats of what alan said about that we kind of ran out of gas and um you know that type of thing but you know we they had some problems with handling that and i I, some of the work I did heading into that game and looking at the diamond relative to these kind of narrow 4-3-3 systems surprised me in how successful they had been, even though they haven't been used that often, because the kind of the counter counterintuitive, um, you know, reliance on your fullbacks and being quote unquote narrow with the diamond versus a team that relies on their fullbacks um, like a Liverpool does or like like a. Uh, Rangers do and interestingly I, I noticed I was updating some of my EPL stuff I look at once in a while and I think Lester had a game where they went 4-4-2 diamond under Rodgers recently against Liverpool in the second half and that kind of catalyzed them to come back and win that game uh, they basically took over the game once they went you know 4-4-2 diamond so I, that'll be fascinating to me as far as what what mm-hmm. Kennedy starts you know, from a context of selection, does he go with Warden and, and uh, Kamala uh, like he did uh, in the first game against uh, under his tenure, or does he kind of go back to four-two-three-one? Which, again, from my perspective, the thing I do not want to see is four-two-three-one with Brown uh, against this Rangers team. That would just be. Are you talking you know, about the
2: Dundee United game? Because uh, that wasn't four. Two, sorry, that wasn't a four-two-three-one. It was. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it
3: was still the diamond. <laughs> it was and it wasn't, meaning that at times they set up – because obviously all these systems are fluid. Um, but the movement of – I mean this has been part of my criticism with some of the players and you know how they've been instructed. I mean nominally you can call El Unissi whatever you want to call him. He almost always moves in the same places. Right. So if yeah. you look at his heat maps, whether it's technically a four, four, two or four, two, three, one, he's mm. pretty much occupying the same spaces, kind of same way with with uh, Turnbull. Uh, the reason why I kind of thought of it, it looked more like um, a four, two, three, one at times was how deep um, and, and off to the right. You know, if you look at McGregor's heat map b- relative to Brown, they were more in the holding midfielder roles, kind of where they would normally fit um, but you're right i mean it, 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 you know these, these who knows what they would actually had gone into it and what they would call it um but to me that is you know again i find that even more concerning why he would play El Unissi in a 442 diamond then given all of the evidence that we've had yeah. that that hasn't worked yeah. regardless of who you partner him with um including edward at times even in a 352 that didn't work when he was partnered with a uh, edward mm. so yeah, the the midfield's a constant issue for Celtic, which is
0: quite something. Considering I was doing a little bit of research into what the next year or so might look like squad wise. So this is excluding players who are in the in the team for loans. So John Joe Kenny and Laxalt aren't included in this. But Celtic currently, and I, I I you may as well exclude Anthony Ralston from this as well, because I mean, is he ever going to play for Celtic again? Probably not. Celtic have four defenders in their squad. They've got four strikers in their squad. They've got twelve midfield players. And they all play a similar role, except for James Forrest. Every single midfield player, the likes of so Beaton, Brown, Sorrow, obviously they're defensive players, but then the likes of Turnbull, Christie, Rogick, Johnston, El Yanusi, Luca Connell. McGregor to an extent he's more of he's probably the only box to box midfielder that we have and then Forrest and Henderson that's that like that's what we're working with at the minute so I, any formation that relies on any sort of width at all does not make sense to me
2: yeah we don't have the players i think i think Kennedy will persist with the, the, the diamond because the, it, it's the most logical thing to do my worry is again i think the i think we'll start well i think if you think about the other interesting, really interesting thing about the New Year game, which again gets forgotten because Celtic lost, is they actually—I'm going to say it—they they set out pretty much happy to take a nil-nil. They were wasting time from restarts pretty much from the first minute, and they were—they were going to be quite happy to meander through that game, get a nil-nil, and go home. And the fact that they won was just a massive bonus. I think there'll be a very similar approach on Sunday mm. because I think they i think they're wanting to protect their unbeaten league record. Isn't probably their main, their main motivator at this stage. Celtic owe us a performance, <laughs> they really do. Um, but, you know, they, they, but, so I think, I, think, I think we'll see a similar start as we saw against Aberdeen and Dundee United because I think that's the Kennedy template. It will be fast paced, it will be the diamond, it will be, the, I think, much the same formation as we've seen in those last two, two games. But as, but, but, and if Celtic score early and get one up, I think, you know, we could have a successful afternoon. But if, if we're to- toiling or we go a goal down, uh, again two things are going to happen and inevitably one is the players are going to run out of uh, you know fitness from the, anywhere from the 35th first, fifth minute onwards and secondly we don't have anything on the bench that allows us to to give like for like in that midfield mm. you know you're, you're throwing on pure number 10s or wingers or strikers in place of you know box to box midfielders and that doesn't make any sense at all so that 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 to me the longer the game goes on the longer they can stay uh, in it at nil-nil, then the the more the, the, the you know the worse the outcome I think is going to be for Celtic.
3: Well, yeah. we're back we're back to set piece vulnerability w- against them now too, because uh, again, assuming they play Hollander and Goldson, or even if Balogun comes in, he's you know not terrible in the air. So um, <laughs> our 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 lineup, as we've talked about, is structurally probably uh, inadequate, no matter who he selects. Uh, in yeah. that regard so that's another issue of of risk um, yeah i think
0: that was going to be that was going to be my next question so obviously i'm not a data guy so i don't know how this is collected but I, i'm presuming that celtic and rangers will go into this game fairly level in terms of like probability and who's going to win it because of the game that's in it as opposed to rangers being top of the league by how many points is it set pieces that set these two teams apart, when it like if you're determining determining who's going to win this game, the Lexa XG or whatever can measure what previous encounters, and they're they're quite level in that sense. But set pieces, Celtic do not have that threat. Rangers do.
2: Yeah, I think that's true. I think we've seen uh, as well under uh, as Celtic have got a, a pretty small team. Let's be honest, not physically large team to be launching balls into the box that. We were increasingly taking short corners and short free kicks, and suddenly, you know, Turnbull's numbers go down. That's that's really concerned me because you want to see Turnbull then still can, still creating a lot from open play, which he hasn't done as much really. So we've got the we've got the perfect set piece taker, and I would still argue that the quality of the delivery is more important than the height of the receiver. So, um, to me, you know, if you've got a corner or a free kick, and you've got somebody of the ability of Turnbull to deliver into into the area. You should be putting the ball into the area because the quality that you will get, you'll put it into the right place. And it doesn't and we, matter how big we, we, you are. If it's in the right place, uh, at, at the right pace, you, and you get someone on the end of it,
3: you're going to cause a lot of trouble. And we've seen that with Welsh and even Brown um, recently with, with Turnbull deliveries. You're absolutely absolutely right, Alan, I think. And defensively,
2: you know, uh, there's a lot more onus on, I mean, ireland has been a standout recently because he's now the senior defender really <laughs> and uh, whereas he's played with people who he's deferred to in terms of attacking the high balls so, you know Duffy or Julian would be the sort of first receiver in terms of matchups with the, the opposition big guy it's now got to be Iyer and, he, and you know he's 6'5 he's, he's going to win his headers more, more often than not he doesn't do it with such aggression and he maybe doesn't do it with such control, but he generally, do. actually, I'll take that back. He actually probably wins the wins the headers with more control, I would argue, because he's, he's more of a technical footballer. His timing is pretty good.
0: Yeah, I suppose when I was looking at that squad, and it, it, God, it's worrying if you take Ayer out of it because Ayer being the senior defender, the what we're remaining with is Christopher Julian, who we don't even know will be at the at the club next year, oh, yeah, or if he'll be, be fit. Yeah. And then you're left with Welsh, Ralston. Greg Taylor, and that's it.
3: After Iyer, if he's oh, gone, it's a worrying time defensively for Celtic. But so my, before- my, I, I'll I i throw in a name that I'm increasingly optimistic on. I, a lot of people haven't talked about him, but, uh, uh, Hjelda, I, my, my Norwegian's as bad as my French Hjelda Yeah. Hjelda, yeah. Um, so he, I, you know, the more I've seen of him, the more, and the more I've looked at his uh, performance data, uh, you know, as an 18-year-old, next season I think we could be looking at him coming back and actually getting some playing time and and warrant it. And particularly with a new manager coming in and a new setup that might be a little more youth focused, uh, I think there's some reason for optimism there. It's and I think 17. he's he's maybe six two. You know, he's he's not huge, but he could be in that ball. You know, as far as as far as a part potential partner with a Julian, let's say, uh, to, and he's left-footed. Uh, so for him to be a left side, left sided center back paired with Julian, he's more of a ball player. Uh, he almost looks like a midfielder in some ways that i when I've seen him with his, Sorry. with his vision, vision and passing. So
2: right. Sorry, is he only seventeen still?
3: I uh, yeah, yep. So it's
2: I, I don't I follow, wonder, unless uh, I
3: missed his birthday. I mean, his birthday may have just happened recently, but when ahead. he went to Ross County, he was seventeen.
2: That's incredible. So I, I mean, I, I won't, won't surprise you to know I do follow the lone players very closely. Um, and it's 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 unusual for Celtic to send a player to another Premier League side. Um, that usually means that, that he's got something, and to then to, to to go to a Premier League side who are a struggling and b he's a regular in defence, uh, and actually when he doesn't play they really miss him. Uh, at, at that age, that that's that's quite something. So he's definitely one to to watch out for. Mm.
3: So hope keep hope alive, and to Keep hope alive. <laughs> but
2: yeah, you, if you're if you're if you're setting your heart on a 17-year-old, and then the, 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 lad, the lad from my part of the woods, uh, Shaw, that's coming in. You know, he's six foot two, uh, but he's only 19. He's got less than 20 professional appearances under his belt. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> these, these have been brought in. The reason that they, you know they, people have asked, well, who's signing them? Well, he's in, he's he's effectively a development signing. He's not mm-hmm. a first team. Signing right, yeah. So,
0: no, yeah. They, they they are the uh next virgin van dyke and Boba Baldy coming yeah. in. Sure, <laughs> right, that's, true, right. yeah. that's that's right. Inevitably, I've gone straight from depressing to completely. Uh, well, not, I don't think enjoyed, this podcast you know?
2: does enough in the clickbait business, so I'm saying
0: that's the headline. Right? Yeah, well, that's, that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking that in, I don't care what, what anybody says. So, before we finish up, then, um, I suppose predictions. <laughs>
3: Who wants I to go? K- pain. Kennedy, Kennedy. I'll, be, I'll be like Clubber Lang and predict pain. <laughs> yeah. Not, I'm not saying which direction though. <laughs> I think I think
2: Kennedy. Listen, Kennedy can enjoy that. Kennedy's not going to be the next manager. He's got no interest in being a manager. He's a coach, right? So, he, this, he's, he's he's he may not get the chance to manage in a in a derby again. He should he should relish this. I think he'll play a very similar style to what has actually been. I know have been quite effective for 35 minutes in the last two games. Um, they've got, he's got to find some way to get more legs into them. Hopefully they've been running up sand dunes in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> um, uh, in terms of predictions, I would suggest if Celtic get, do get an early goal, we, we may just hold on with that momentum to win the game. But I do worry that as the longer the game goes on against a team who I think will play a very containing, quite a slow uh, style, that um, the, the longer it goes on, and the longer it's nil-nil, then the chance of that variable event happening—that that free kick being awarded for another niggly foul or non-foul out wide and a ball into the box—is going to mm. going to lead to uh, to you know to, to more more um, unhappiness. But having said that, you know Kennedy two games, two clean sheets, so let's just cling on to that.
3: <laughs> yeah, for me, it's the thing that concerns me is the, uh, M- morellas has come into some form of late after hadn't, you know, done all that much in recent months. And if you go to, you know, if you, uh, attend the school of mean reversion, uh, you know, his amount of XG that he has had versus us without scoring. Um, so I, that, that's probably my 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 biggest concern is that he might be due and he's pl- playing pretty well right now. Um, the flip side of that is they've had some injuries and mm-hmm. I think if what's that, I'm sorry. Really? Ta- well, a, yeah.
2: Ta- about about out. Jack, Jack keeps getting injured, doesn't he? I don't, I'm not aware they've got many more.
3: Yeah. Jack's out and, and he might be due to return soon, but I, I think he's out, uh, definitely for tomorrow. I haven't heard about, uh, Sunday, but, uh, Tavernier, I think is a long-term injury, um, that he picked up in, in, I think one of the European games. So, uh, you know, I, I think if we get the tactics, right, I think if we go more towards the diamond, you know, I'm not going to chime in, but I think if he'd played, if he played Soro in that context, we'd have a lot better chance in that context. Um, but you know, I, I I suspect it might be uh, my my big prediction. There might be more goals than we've seen before. I, I see kind of a mix here, where it could be like a three-two or something like that. Um, turn it into a little bit more more uh, chaotic back and forth a little bit. Listen, I said it.
0: A couple of weeks ago when they then got resigned or got sacked or however it happened, I said, as long as I enjoy watching Celtic until the end of the season, then I don't really care. And then they drew 0-0 with Dundee United. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life. But I just want an entertaining Glasgow Derby. That's all I want. And hopefully we can end their unbeaten season in the league and that'll be a nice little bonus to end uh, out a pretty miserable season overall so let's hope that uh, john kennedy can pull something out of the bag this weekend i think uh, actually the huddle breakdown twitter page had the fans leaning towards a win as well so we're weirdly optimistic going into this game if you want to follow that twitter page you can find us at huddle breakdown on twitter Or you can follow us on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there, Huddle Breakdown. You can subscribe and get notified every time a podcast goes live. James Allen, thanks very much.
2: Thank you. Enjoy your Guinness.
0: Yeah, enjoy all six of them. I will indeed. (laughs) And anybody else who's out there enjoying a few cans, enjoy yourselves. We'll chat to you later.
1: Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. pip powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line?
0: Uh the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price
1: tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> Bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool. The Only from Progressive. <laughs> the hour and a of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance car. Company and Affiliates Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law. This is Peacock. I love it! It's streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals. It's The Office. That's what she said. Chrisley knows best. It's going to be Todd's Way or The Highway. And Peacock original shows like Funky Brewster. Holy
2: Mackinac.
1: So whether you're in the mood for every live WWE pay per view or every episode, Episode of Law and Order SVU. Peacock's got you covered. Peacock. Watch for free. Upgrade for more. Stream now at peacocktv.com.